Morning. Welcome to King's Church. Uh, especially welcome if you're new here. If you're new here, there's only really two things you need to know about us as people. One is we're just incredibly normal. So much so, it's just boring, really. Just not fun to be around. The second thing you need to know is uh, we don't have a dress code at church. Um, our website says you can come dressed comfortably, however you like. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not comfortable. It's so hot. <laughs> but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to teach the church that, you know, what appropriate church wear looks like. So you guys have got to catch up. So why am I dressed like this? Um, I'm telling, asking myself that same question. It's because 65% of you in this room are going to be uh, visual learners, majority. So that's the way you learn is through visually. So you're not going to forget this in a while, and I want you to remember what I'm going to say this morning. <laughs> it is Nat, by the way. Some of you are like, I don't even know who that is. Daniel walked out and went, walked around the corner of the bathroom and was like, yeah. <laughs> So I want to introduce you to a character, well, a person. Her name is Nadia Rosalie. She was 19. She was from Malaysia, and she was in New Zealand as an exchange student um, doing tertiary studies. So while she was here, she wanted to see a bit of the country, and she went with her friends uh, to the Tongariro Crossing and thought, I'm going to walk the Tongariro Crossing with my friends. I've heard it's amazing, one of the best walks in New Zealand. Cindy and Huey, you might not get to do it this time, but it's, it's a good one. So she thought, oh, I'll go do that with my friends. So she started out, and uh, she tracked along, and she was kind of like happy to walk by herself for a while, and she took a wrong turning and went up the wrong mountain. So she went up straight up Mount Narahoe, which if you know that mountain is literally like, you know, 90 degrees basically. It's basically a cliff, and it's full of scree slopes. So if you slip, you just keep going, you just fall. So she was like, well, I'm going to go up this way, and went up Mount Narahoe. And I uh, only realized that she was in trouble when she got to the top, which is quite a feat. So she got to the top and thought, oh, there's no one around. Uh, maybe I've taken a wrong turning. And she tried to climb back down. This is a true story, by the way. She tried to climb down and slipped 50 meters and sprained her ankle and was just stuck there like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. At this point, and this is what you need to remember, at this point, she realized she was unprepared because... She decided to do the Tongariro Crossing in track pants, a t-shirt, and a hoodie. And that was her preparedness. And then she was stuck basically the, on top of Mount Narahoe in track pants, t-shirt, and a hoodie. So remember that. She was unprepared. So she had a cell phone on her, which was good, and she called the police. But her cell phone died before the police could get her GPS tracking data. And it just died. So the police sent rescue helicopters, and they were buzzing around. They were buzzing around way too low, and they couldn't find where she was. And she was as she was contemplating a night uh, on the side of a mountain, um, just freezing cold, her family back in Malaysia heard about what was going on through Facebook, and were obviously very concerned and didn't sleep that night either. In the morning, well, during the night, she was so afraid of... Of, of freezing to death that she considered kind of knocking herself out because she was like, oh, just, I don't want to die in the cold. It's a very uplifting story for you. So, um, but in the morning, she says a miracle happened and her dead cell phone turned back on. And she was able to call the police and tell her that the helicopters were flying too low and she started waving, waving a flag and the light came up and eventually they found her. And a rescue helicopter came in, picked her up, 
And soon after, she was picked up by a team, and she said all she wanted was a hug. And they just gathered up in her arms, and she just felt, ah, oh, it's all over. And her family flew in from Malaysia, and she decided she wouldn't climb mountains for, for a wee while. So that's my first story about being unprepared, or not being prepared for the right situation. My second one is this. This one has a few more details that I've added in. The other one was true. This one's mostly true. So there's a guy called John, a man called John who was training to be a pilot, right? So he had this pilot's test. Now this test was to see whether he was able to fly a plane with passengers and be in charge of like hundreds of people's lives. On the way to this test, he was driving his motorbike and he crashed it, which is pretty bad if you're going to fly a plane and you can't even drive a motorbike. He crashed it on the way, and instead of going to the hospital with his concussion and sprained ankle, he went back to, he went, carried on to the test and sat his test with a concussion, like, I've got to get this done, got to get this done, and then went off to the hospital. So he may have been prepared before, he may have studied, but actually when he got to that day, he was unprepared, and you know, like physically he was just a mess, but he still had to do this test. I'm not sure if that's ever happened to you, whether you've ever sat an exam and you've just thought, I'm completely unprepared for this. Anyone? Anyone had that? Have you ever had the, the exam unprepared dream? Yeah? For me, it's always, I've been playing soccer, and I'm hot and sweaty, and I need the bathroom, and it's a maths test, and I get that reoccurring dream, like, I don't know, I haven't studied maths in 10 years! Because in the dream, I know how old I am, which is strange, even though I'm still at school. Okay, so why am I dressed up? I'm dressed up because... I want you to remember one point from this morning and, and, and leave it with you, which is this. You need to be prepared for what God is doing amongst us as a church family. You've got to be prepared for what he is doing and saying and get your heart in the right place and, and be focused on, on what he is doing and have hope for what he's doing. And it's obviously a bit different to being prepared for a horrible survival situation. This is being prepared for the good stuff that God has for us and being prepared for his blessings and what he wants to do amongst us. Okay, I'm going to take this off now because I'm absolutely boiling. Oh, I've got clothes on. <laughs> oh, that's better. Thanks for enjoying that with me. Okay, so I want you to be prepared for what God is doing amongst us. So what are we going to do? What I want to look at this morning is I want to look at some of the key prophetic words that God has spoken over us as a community and bring them back to light, link them together, and then look at how do we get prepared? What do we need to do and to, to respond to what God is saying? So on the prophetic, you might have been in church a long time and you know what the prophetic is, or it might be a new word for you. You might think I'm saying pathetic. It's prophetic. <laughs> Basically what it is, the Bible, the main message of the Bible is this, is that God is love and he loves people. And you can't have a loving relationship without good communication. So what the prophetic is, is when God speaks to his people. And every healthy relationship has good communication, good listening, good, good talking. We believe that, as a, as a church, we believe that it's, it's everyone's inheritance to hear the voice of God that everyone who comes to know Jesus is a child of God and therefore can expect to hear God's voice. And I just encourage you, if you, if you feel like, hey, I, I've never heard the voice of God before, then don't walk out of here today without asking someone to pray for you and say, and they can pray that God will speak to you directly, but they can also prophesy over you and share things that they feel God is saying 
for your life. It's one of the treasures of being a Christian. So don't, don't let it pass. Don't go out of here thinking, oh, I never really hear God's voice. So God speaks to us um, individually. And when that happens, we treasure it. We, we take it, we, you, know, you write it down or you mull it, whatever you do, but we treasure it, we, we, we pray about it, we work out what God is saying and we hold it dear. And it's exactly the same when God speaks to us as a community. Together as a group we treasure what God says and we applaud it and we love it and we pray into it and we think, right, what do we, what do, we do to change what we're doing in light of what God is speaking and the promises that he's bringing? One of the things I'm loving at the moment about our church is that we're learning to not just go, oh, lovely Lord, thank you for speaking, and then move on with our busy lives. We're learning how to stop and go, right, let's pray into this, let's contend, like Steve Knott's prophetic word last week, let's contend for what he's saying, let's dwell in it, let's work out, do we need to change direction, do we need to uh, change this or do this? We're taking it seriously in a fun kind of way. So that's what I want to do this morning. I want, to, I want to turn aside, take a moment to look at what he's saying. So it's a bit like this analogy that I heard recently of a guy who his favourite position was this armchair in his living room. And it's a, it's a massage chair. So he had his big TV and surround sound. And he had this chair that was his. And he'd just sit back into it and he'd be like, turn up the TV because my chair's going on. And he'd turn on just like, like this in his massage chair. And he'd be sitting there just you know, relaxing. Uh, maybe he went to his nothing box. I don't know if you guys know that, that phrase. It's what men have in their brain. It's a box with nothing in it, and you can just zone out. It's great. Yeah, amen. More love. So he would just sit there in his chair, and uh, his wife would say to him, Hey, hey, are you hungry? Would you like me to make you something? And he'd go, I'm starving. Yes, please. And she would make him some food and come back. Well, the truth is, he said he was starving, but was he really? You know, he was just happy in his massage chair. And when she mentioned food, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm really hungry. But if he was actually really hungry, he would have gotten out of his chair himself and made his own food when he really was hungry. That's what we want to be like when God speaks to us. We don't want to be like, oh, yeah, just living my life in the rut that I'm in. You know, oh, God speaks. Oh, oh yeah, I'll have a bit of that. We want to be hungry to the point where we're like, God, keep speaking to us. We're going to dwell on it. We're going to treasure what you're saying. And just a bit of a, um, a side note, uh, a lot of this is words that have come to our church community. So if you're part of a different church community or you're visiting us this morning, some of this will relate to you so you can take the bits that you feel God is speaking and breathing on for you. And some of these words, um, I'm going to repeat back what other people have shared, talk about a new year or a new season. I think those are really helpful ways to describe what God is doing, but it's not like it's just a calendar year and then God stops or a season that lasts three months and then it changes, or our summer, which was like three days, and then it changes. So if I talk about a season or, or God doing a new thing, it's like God's stepping us up into something, not that he's turning on a tap for three months and then it's going away. And often at the start of uh, New Year's, you, you often, if you've been around church for a while, a new year starts and you hear uh, words or, or scriptures, you know, it's a new day, God is doing a new thing. Um, people praying, God, I want to see new things, or you're thinking about things you want to change in your life. And I think that's really good, and we don't want to despise that. But I think actually this year has been quite different. We've had really powerful prophetic words coming thick and fast that are like, wow, we need to wake up and listen to what God is doing and, and work out what we need to do about it. So the first one 
that I want to start with, um, and, it's, and if you were there, you'll remember, was uh, to Tender's preach in uh, late January. I think it was the last weekend of January. She was, she was preaching on community, and I was really enjoying it. And then in that last sort of 10 minutes, it was just like, she just took off even more than she was before, and God was really breathing on, this, on some prophetic stuff that she was sharing. And I, I re-listened to it and wanted to just give you some of the highlights. Tatenda said, 2017 is a year of God's promises. I'm going to read a few of these. You're welcome to just be with God and like amen in your heart or say it out loud. It's all good. 2017 is a year of God's promises. It's a year of favor. It's a very prophetic year, she said. 2017 is a year that God will do those things that you've been waiting for all this time. Man. If you don't believe it, I believe it, Tatenda said. We believe it. God is going to do greater things for us as a family, church family, in 2017. God is going to restore families, He's going to restore marriages, and He's going to bring new marriages. God is going to bring healing to those who are waiting and bring more children into the church. What we need to do this year is believe. Believe in Him. Trust in him. This is a breakthrough year. And if you were there in January, like you just, uh, you'd remember just like I, you just felt this, the presence of God as she was speaking like, yes Lord, this is you speaking through to Tenet. You just felt him kind of ride in with her words. Um, interestingly, outside of our church, there's been um, different people who I follow and listen to their, their messages. And they, there's kind of a, a theme coming through of God wanting to do something new in the body of, of Christ and to and break through in 2017. And one of those is Bill Johnson, and he, he shared a, a message called The Year of Breakthrough. And if, you, if it's helpful, go and listen to it, because it's just really encouraging on, on how we uh, step into what God is bringing this year. Another prophetic word that came, is John Buckerfield here today? Hey, John. So, John, John prophesied some stuff, but actually it's more than what he prophesied, the words he used. If you're around John for any length of time, at the moment especially, I'm noticing he's just kind of, he is a prophetic message wherever he goes. And um, he's just got this heart for breakthrough at the moment for a new thing that is contagious. So I'd get around him, get him to pray for you, get him to, to share what he is feeling is going on in our church. But um, at a Leaders All In a few weeks ago, John and I kind of prophesied off the back of each other. And John shared this, that the song, the action song that we sometimes sing, uh, we want to see Jesus lifted high, a banner that flies across this land, that all men might see the truth and know that I am the way to heaven. It's a powerful song. And uh, John just kind of shared a bit more with me over email. He's saying that he feels like it's a time of God doing new things, new strategy, and in terms of prayer and healing. So we're, we're, we're praying into what God is doing, and we're seeking to see people healed who need healing. And actually, as we do that, we're going to see strongholds fall that will affect the nation. Wow. Amazing. And actually, healing is a big part of what God wants to do with us as a people in the next season. Um, why? Because it's a key way that God goes, I'm alive and I love you and I want to bless you. And people come to Christ as they encounter God's healing power, just like his love and his mercy. The last one I want to, want to share was uh, some things that Steve Knott, I don't think Steve's here, is he? He's not here today. Um, Steve Knott's been sharing a few things, and Sally and I were just joking the other day, like, if Steve's sharing, you just hit record as soon as you can, because 
Some of the prophetic words that Steve is bringing are just so encouraging for us as a church. And actually, Lawrence and I were talking about this scripture um, earlier before the meeting, but Steve shared a verse out of Isaiah 54, and it talks about having babies, and it's like an analogy for breakthrough and more and multiplication. So I'll read it out to you. It says, Sing, barren woman who's never had a baby. Fill the air with song, you who've never experienced childbirth. You're ending up with far more children than those childbearing women. God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. And that's all from Isaiah 54. Steve went on to um, share some more and he emailed some of this to me as well, and we got some of it recorded. He said, this is a year where you remove barriers. You break down barriers to see others set free. It might be scary, but scary means growth. Scary is good. God is saying, I've called you. I've given you the tools, and I'm setting you free. Now go and do the same in my name. Go and tell people their true worth, every person you come in contact with. When I speak, things change, says God. And he carries on. You need to think big. Sundays are not the only place for miracles. It's time to take miracles outside of here. It might be scary, but don't be afraid because I'm with you. Stretch out into the scary, into the unknown. I won't let you down or embarrass you. And this is one of the key things that he said that just hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, this place will no longer be big enough to hold the people who will be impacted by the grace you carry. Wow. I'll read that again. This place will no longer be big enough to hold the people who will be impacted by the grace you carry. As you set them free, they will be brought into the family. So good, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, other people have shared things too that just back up these words, but I wanted to pick the three that have just been really sitting with me and, and feeding my prayers. Can you get a sense of what God is saying for us as a people? He's saying, think big. Don't limit your expectations of what I want to do. Enlarge your space, enlarge your heart, contend for more and expect God to do it. And I just want to share a little bit of what I've been feeling, kind of the season we're at, uh, prophetically as a people. And I think if you look back over the last few years, you can see that uh, God has done a lot in us as a people and a lot of it has been bubbling in so there's been things like the kingdom and our understanding of the kingdom and our love for other cultures and our wanting to honour what God is doing and honour the people around us and the sense of identity and wow we're God's children that means every, all the resource of heaven is ours and we are favoured because he's our dad so these things have been bubbling in us but actually if you came amongst us as a people there might not be things that you'd necessarily see outwardly at the moment They've been bubbling away in us, putting depth into us as a people. And what I've been praying and what God's been speaking to me about is that this bubbling in is now going to start bubbling out of us as a people. That it's actually not enough to, for God to heal you up and sort some things out in your life so that you can just kind of go on your merry way. It's for the sake of those who don't yet know Jesus or know him and need help. It's for the sake of the, the community and the cultures that we live in. 
And I felt like God is saying that we're coming into a time where actually kingdom breakthrough happens easily. So it's going to happen more and to a greater extent than what we've, we've noticed and what we've seen before. And it's going to be easy compared to before. It's going to have felt like a bit of a struggle. And I, I think actually if you look around our church, we can already see the first little fruit of that when it comes to physical healing. So we've had testimonies both publicly but also not shared publicly of just breakthrough that before we would have gone, wow, and we still go wow. Like significant big wins in healing. And of course we need more. As I look around, I know people who are still waiting and they need God to heal them. And we're going to keep going for that. We'd be real with that, but we also celebrate what we're seeing and not think, oh, it's ho-hum, business as usual. Even uh, Paul Drummond's, Paul here? Paul Drummond. So he shared two or three weeks ago on Sunday about both a physical healing and an inner work that God was doing in his life. And I got him to share it again at a, at a team meeting that we were a part of. And it's just like, we just, I don't know how long we spent, probably half an hour just talking about it, teasing out a few bits about what, what God was doing, and then just celebrating it and praying for more, both on Paul's life and the church. Because, you know, he had uh, Bell's palsy in one side of his face. He woke up and, like, the whole thing was paralyzed and nerve endings. And Paul was telling me that it took 20 days to come right, and the doctors were saying three to six months. And the doctor was amazed at what was going on. Yeah. And then God did all this inner work in Paul that yeah. get a hold of him afterwards and get him to share it with you because it's phenomenal. I guess at this point, I just want to ask you, what's going on in your heart as, you, as we look at prophetic words and think about where we're at as a people? You might be going, yes, more Lord. Or you might legitimately be feeling like, I just don't see it and I just feel, uh, I just feel like it's the same as it's always been. I feel disappointed with things of the past. Maybe I'm waiting for my own breakthrough. I would just lovingly encourage you, if that's where you're at, and we've all been there and I'm, you know, different I'm, I'm there in some respects in my life and others I feel very in faith for. I would encourage you just to repent if that's the way you feel. Repentance isn't like a big scary thing trying to come back to a, a God who wants to beat you with a stick. Repentance. I think that's the heading. God. <laughs> Repentance is actually choosing to believe and choosing to think the way God thinks. It's changing your thinking to be like God's. So you can ask him, and we're going to respond after and say, God, I want to receive a gift of faith for what you're doing in us as a people. I want to receive a gift of faith for what you're doing in my life and see it from your point of view. And we'll have time to pray at the end on that. But if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, I want to share a story that really illustrates where I feel like we're at as a people. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, I'm just going to read it out. Feel free to read along in your Bible if you want to as well. You there yet? You found it? Not many quick draws in this church. <coughs> Tim Patterson will be, but I stole his Bible. Okay, Luke 5, chapter 1, uh, Luke 5, verse 1. On the day Jesus was standing, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret or the lake of Galilee, people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I just want to pull out a couple of things, really, from the story. It's a well-known story, but I'd like you just to put yourself into the situation and think, what would that have been like if I was actually there and seeing this? Because it's a pretty dramatic story. The first dramatic thing I find about this is that Jesus, a carpenter, tells a fisherman how to do his job. And he tells him to do the same thing he'd be doing all night with no success. It would, like, uh, it would be like a CEO of a company telling a, telling a doctor how to do surgery and the doctor being like, hmm, really? A builder gives direction to a fisherman and, he, and it's in the natural is bad advice. It's like, why would I keep doing what I've done all night? I'm shattered. Why do you want me to do it again? It's done, it's done nothing for us. But Peter obeys and change happens. And I think one thing to learn from this in our own lives is that Sometimes we need to change things up in our life. We're like, if this is not working, we need to change things. But you know, sometimes you need to stick to exactly what you're doing because God has told you to and the breakthrough's coming. It's not always about trying the, the new thing. It's sometimes it's like, God, what are you saying? He's like, cast the nets out again and this time you're going you're to catch a, a load that's going to almost swamp two boats. And you do it because God said. Put yourself back into the story. You're Peter... And you've been tired all night and Jesus says, can I use your boat to preach because the, the, the crowds are clambering in. Did I say clouds? Crowds. <laughs> so Jesus does that. He preaches and then he says, put your nets out and you get your career best haul of fish that you've ever had. If there's any fishermen in the room, and I, I know there's at least one, my dad, if you, have, if you fished all night and didn't catch anything, oh two, sorry, mum, you're a fisherwoman. Better than dad, actually, if you'd asked them. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. So if, there's, if you're a fisherman or fisherwoman and you've been out all night, what are you dreaming about all night? You're dreaming about catching the fish. In dad's case, it would be like the trout out of Taupo. Now, dad couldn't fill his boat full of trout because it would be over his bag limit and then he'd get in trouble. But he'd still want to catch the biggest. But Peter's been dreaming his whole life about getting a haul that big. Imagine the money he would make. He could take his family on a cruise, I, I don't know, you know. <laughs> Mediterranean, they do that kind of thing, don't they? And then it happens, and they get this massive haul of fish. What would it have felt like to have seen that after catching nothing all night? From the advice of someone who knows nothing about fishing. Peter sees this, and he falls on his knees, which presumably is on the fish, because it's full of fish. 
So it's like, yeah, the fish are around. And if you don't like fish, they might gross you out. He falls on his knees before Jesus and says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Why is he repenting with this? Is it because of a few fish? It's because he's just seen the heart of God, the overabundance, the extravagant goodness of God, and it causes him to go, I'm sinful. And later on you see he goes, and I'm following you. In fact, at the end of the passage, he leaves everything and follows Jesus. Romans 2, 4 says, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. How lovely is that? The kindness, the overabundance, the goodness of our Father leads people to say, I'm sinful and I need you and I need what you've got. I think that is part of what we're coming into as a church community is people getting saved and brought into the family because they see the abundance and the goodness of God, the just the mind-boggling goodness of our God. That's going to happen and people are going to go, right, well, I've got to sign up for this. I've got to, I've got to come to know Jesus. I want to be a part of this community. That's what I feel is part of what God is bringing us into. And actually, things like this have already started. Matt Roach and I, last year, we were out on the streets and we talked to these six young women by a bus stop and part of it, we just said, hey, we're learning to hear God's voice. Can we practice on you? And they were like, sure. Which is cool. Actually, they got on a bus. Like, oh, our bus is here. And then they all got off the bus and were like, we don't want to go home. We want to, know, you know, we want to hear from God. We want to hear what you guys are doing. I know I've shared this story before, but in a nutshell, God gave us detailed uh, prophetic words or promises and details about all six of these girls' lives that encouraged them, it showed them that God knew them, it highlighted stuff that they were like, how do you know that about me? And what it led to was them repenting and coming to know Jesus. I'm not sure how many out of the six, uh, we, like, they all were just like, can we do that right now? Can we give our lives to Jesus? Can we, can we be introduced to him when we pray with him? To me, that was a sign, not just, it wasn't just great for those six girls or great for Matt and I to see that. To me, that was a prophetic sign of what God wants to do more and more amongst us, which is when people hear the heart of God, when they see his healing power, when they, when they see his extravagant love in his people, in us, they're going to go, well, where do I sign up? I need Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to be a disciple. So I just encourage you, look for opportunities to show people the extravagant love of God and see what will happen. Because before, maybe it was like, oh yeah, maybe a little bit happened. I've seen this in the past. Like God is breathing on us that every time we step out and show God's abundant love, more is going to happen and it's going to be easier and more breakthrough. The last thing I want to draw out of that story is the, the phrase that Jesus has used. Where he says, you're going to be fishers of men or fishers of people. So the context, so the context of that is not, oh, they caught a few fish. Hey, great, now you're going to catch people. The context of you're going to be fishers of men, you're going to lead people to me, was of an overabundance of two boats completely full and almost breaking full of fish. Jesus wanted them to see that, the abundance of fish, and go, that's what it's going to be like in the kingdom, an abundance of people coming to know me. And I feel like that, that, that's what God is prophetically saying for us as a people. Things like salvation is going to happen easier and more often amongst us. It's going to be like, what do we do with all these new people who want to know Jesus? Not, ah, oh, just a few here and there, a few people come to know Jesus a year, and you know, we, we prod along. That's great. We love every single person who comes to know God. But we want to see it on a community-wide scale, don't we? And if you listen to, the, to Tender's word or Steve's word 
or John or, or Lawrence or others who have shared recently, actually you can hear the heart of God that that is what's happening. Hey, buddy. That's what's happening, so get ready for it. Position your heart for it. So how do you get prepared? I'm going to close in a minute. But how do we prepare our hearts to get to the point where we're like, God, I'm open for this? Because it's not enough to go, yeah, God, please do it. Hooray. And just kind of go home as if, as if it's the same as it was. Here's the funny thing about God's promises. There are some promises from God that you can vote for it, you can vote against it. doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyway. But sometimes with God's promises, they're invitations to us to partner with him. So you might think, well, what are you saying? Are you saying that God's promises rely on me? Yeah, a little bit. He's, he's the one who will do it. He's the one who will bring grace. But actually, he's looking for us to go, I'm in, and I'm, I'm going to partner with you in that. And you can see that. Like if, if God said to me, you're going to be a pilot, well, don't go crash your motorbike on the way. I mean, that would be the first thing I wouldn't do. But you're going to be a pilot. And I said, oh, God, well done, great. I can't wait to be an airline pilot. Never took the tests. Never got my training done, never clocked up the hours and a two-man this, you know, and did all those things you've got to go through to, to become a pilot, and then went, God, why didn't you do it? I mean, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Because God, God is looking for people who go, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to step into what I'm saying for you as a people. And I believe it's the same for this. If we want to see the kingdom break out and affect our family, our neighbours, our work colleagues, to see Potido, Wellington, the Huts, Kapiti, don't leave that one out, you know. I always go through the three and then you forget the fourth. Fine. Not the capital is always the fourth. Anyway, dig a hole, dig a hole. Back to the point. If you want to see where you live, change for God. God is looking for people who are going to go, right, I'm up for it. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to grab your hand, Father, and we're going to do this together. So how are we going to do that? How do we position ourselves to, to receive the promises from God and, and the, the blessings he's got for us? How are we going to get prepared? Unlike the Malaysian student on the side of a mountain, how are we going to be prepared? The first thing I would say is we need to get expectant. Ask God for faith and he'll give it. Faith is a gift that God happily gives to those who ask him for it. You don't muster up faith. You're going to feel faith. You say, God, I need to see like you see. I want to see through your eyes. I want to see my world, my family, my impossible looking situations through the eyes of a God who sees all of eternity. And actually who disarmed every power and every authority against you on the cross and made a public display of them so they could be wiped from your life. So get expectant. If you feel like I do sometimes at different parts of my life, maybe you feel like life's battered you down a wee bit, you feel like I believed God and didn't come through, or you feel like I just don't know if I can believe for miracles, I would say, yeah, it's time to repent. It's time to say, God, I'm sorry for thinking my own way. I choose to receive your thoughts and not think a thought in my head that doesn't come from you. Now that's a process. God will help you with it. Actually, faithlessness of saying, oh, I've heard promises before from God and they never happen. Faithlessness is a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> We're going to say, ah, and it's not going to happen, so you don't step into it. It doesn't happen. So we want to lovingly help each other to deal with that and be able to receive the gift of faith from God. Whether it's a gift of faith to become a Christian or a gift of faith to go, I'm going to believe for my, my neighborhood to be changed. You know, one thing I would say on that is, Come to the conference in May, Unlocking the Kingdom. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Part of that time, we're going to look at how we deal with, how we root out unbelief and how we root out disappointment so that God's faith can just land on us 
and we can move forward with him. And we're going to lovingly be able to work that through. 27th to the 28th of May, Saturday starts like around midday, 1.30ish, goes through the evening and then church on a Sunday. It's not even a very big time commitment, but it's going to be quality and worthwhile. Which comes to my next point, how do we get prepared? Get to the Kingdom Conference in May. <laughs> it is, it's going to be great for us as a church. It's perfect timing for us to get equipped with the tools to step into what God is saying for us as a people. Not the only thing, but it's one key moment for us as a church. And actually, Phil wasn't going to be here this morning, but since Pete's unwell, Phil had to juggle things around and not do kids' work. Um, but he's here. But I was going to say this, and I'm happy even more to say it in front of him, that actually Phil's going to be doing a lot of the sharing at that conference along with me. And whenever Phil talks at the moment about the kingdom, about breakthrough, about how to have faith in God for healing while still being real with the disappointment and difficulties of life, I just feel like God is on him in a new measure to help break through for us as a church. And actually, I'm just, I'm just loving it. I love it when he teaches on, yeah, actually, sometimes healing comes as a recovery. So you pray, see if anything's happened, but sometimes it happens the next day or the next day, and you keep praying. And this healthy sense of contending with God. And I'm just really enjoying it, and I'm learning a lot. And actually, he's a gift to us as a church. So turn up, and you're going to get affected. It's a bit like this. That conference is about getting the right tools to help you on the journey that God's that God is taking us as a church. It's like going from A to B. A is where we are now and good things are happening. B is even more. It's God seeing God glorified in every aspect of our life, seeing all our families come to know God. It's, it's the fulfillment of what we want to see happen, right? A to B. We want to move along that. Having the right tools is a bit like this. My uncle was recently, my uncle is a super fit mountain biker and road cyclist. He's 54? 54. He recently got 27th in the elite part of the uh, Karapoti Classic with all these young guns and he got 27th in the whole competition of hundreds of people. He's, he's a boss. You see him, he's got no fat on him at all. He's just like super lean and muscly because he does one thing and does it well and just gets right into it. Maybe that's where I get it from. Not, not with biking. <laughs> and not with being that muscly, not like him. Anyway, that wasn't a plea for, oh, you're so muscly. Anyway. <laughs> My, my uncle was riding his bike after a mountain bike. He was going round the bays, round by the airport, super windy, unusual, going round there. And, you know, he's got all the gear on. He's super fit. He's trained up. He bikes every day. And this lady who is older than him, wearing jeans and a T-shirt, just kind of swans by, pedaling on a bike. And he's just going hard out into the wind. And she's just kind of like, mm, on her way to work, not even breaking a sweat. Yeah, must be Dutch. <laughs> nice, nice. That's good, that's good. <laughs> the inventors of the bicycle. Um, so he was like, what is going on? She had an e-bike. So she had, she had a motor that meant that he was just putting all the effort in. She was just like, yeah, see you later. You know, I'm going to work. That's like having the right tools. You might want to get from A to B. Don't struggle thinking, got to do this, got to do this. Just think, God, what have you opened in front of me to give me the tools or the keys to get where you want us to go as a people? And that Kingdom Conference is going to be a big, a big part of that. It's going to be good. It's going to teach us how to, how to be confident that we are a part of the solution to seeing people healed and set free and the power of God cha change people's lives, that everyone gets to play in the game. So obviously it's not just about that. There are other things going on. There's Contagious Christian. That's a really good tool of how to share your faith. There's the Alpha course. You might want to go on Alpha to find out more about Jesus 
or you might want to go in there just to be with people who are asking questions and who are like talking about what they believe and learning how to listen well, learning how to pray for people to come to know Jesus or to be filled with the Spirit or just to, just to love people and in that kind of environment of, of conversation. I've learned so much from doing Alphas. It helps me in my everyday life. What I really mean by getting the right tools, it's about that Isaiah 54. It's about enlarging your tents, stretching out the cord, taking more ground because you're ready for when things happen. It's taking the preparation so that when things, when God moves and people are there and you're ready, you've got the tools in place to, to be ready to step into that. Don't struggle feeling like the Holy Spirit won't use you. If that's how you feel, you need to, you need to hear that you're a part of this and that God will use you to do amazing things too. His power, your willingness. Right, we're running way over time. We're going to finish in a sec. The last thing I want to say is contend. Contend, pray. We don't strive in prayer, we contend. We say, God, you've said it, and I, I want you to do it. And we, we press in for that. And Steve Knott had a powerful prophetic word about that recently. It's about contending for the promises of God. All right, I think we're going to finish there. There are probably more tools, more keys, but that's all you need right now. Why don't we stand together? I just want to pray.